podcast that feature those who take a leap of faith to follow their dreams and their passion. I have today's guest is the dynamic Miss Trisha Lee, small business owner to now a power real estate broker. Uh, we're going to hear from her, her journey uh, in terms of how she got to where she is today. Um, I'm eager to hear her story. I'm sure you are as well. So, Miss Trisha, tell us about your journey, starting from where you from, where you went to school, where you grew up, you know, what you majored in, all that good stuff, to up to where you got to, to where you are now. Okay, well, thank you for having me. Um, glad to be here in this beautiful evening in New York. Um, my journey is I'm from Arizona. I am the only Jamaican from Arizona. <laughs> I didn't know that Arizona had Jamaicans. Arizona had Jamaicans. <laughs> I'm like, they no longer do. I have left. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> but um, my whole family's from New York. So absolutely was born in New York, was born in Brooklyn, grew up in Arizona my whole life. And I came here in 1998, literally days after leaving ASU. I think it was two days after. Um, and, and that was, that was May 1998, yeah, spring 98. That's is it because your family was here? That's why you moved to Brooklyn? I felt like living in Arizona, we were the only ones at that time in our family that lived there. Everyone else lived in New York and they were like hardcore New Yorkers. So I mm. raised around that. Um, that's my influence. And so I feel like New York had always been a tease to me. Like I would come here for the holidays mm. and just get white it could get taken away from me for another year you know or mm-hmm. i come for the summer and then i wouldn't come back for till the next christmas so i just got i was always teased with new york to the mm-hmm. point where i had romanticized it so much by the time i was an adult that it was like the fact that i couldn't come here and go to college because i couldn't afford to go to nyu was probably mm-hmm. my heartbreak you know right and then i was like the minute i graduate i'm out here i'm out like and i literally drove to Ari- to new york from arizona with wow me. Yeah. So. Did you know what you were going to do when you got here? I did. Like at the time I had been working in cosmetics. Um, I've always been a beauty girl. I've always loved beauty products. I can go on and on all day and all night about beauty products, skincare products. Um, and I'm a girly girl. Like I'm all those things. Um, mm-hmm. So I worked, I figured it out in college that if you worked a retail job or if you worked in um in the stores and just retail that you really can make the most money working in cosmetics. And so it was funny because I did really love beauty, but yes, absolutely. If I did not love beauty and had, I found out that the most money could be made on the floor by working in cosmetics, I still would have worked in cosmetics because I do but I also love my money. <laughs> right, right, right. <laughs> but I was working, you know, retail in college, like so many people do. And I just found out that the girls in cosmetics made the most money. I was like, I need to be right there with them. Wow. So you really, so you came here to work on the floor in cosmetics? Uh, yeah, or? I did. I came here to work on the floor in cosmetics because I really wanted to work at Mac. And um, I knew that I had to kind of like prove myself and I had to come here and probably do 20 interviews in order to get a job. And at that time that Mac was just that, that job to get like for what I wanted to do. I wanted to mm-hmm. Mac and I wanted to become a professional and amazing makeup artist. Mm-hmm. And so, so how did I, that's why I moved to New York. I was just going to, I took my job, I was working at Estee Lauder. I took that job and I came here with that job. And I think within a week I was interviewing for Mac. I got a job there in about two months and I was there for nine years, 10 years. Wow. And yeah. so um, what was your experience there? And, you know, you eventually become an entrepreneur, business owner. How, what inspired you to it was that. really, it was a very natural progression. Like, I think I've always been very much like a little bossy, like a little boss, you know what I mean? Like 
if we're roommates, I run the house. You're just oh, okay. <laughs> you're, the, you're, the, you're, the, you're the mother of the house. You're the mother. What do they call it? Mother hen, mother dad. Mother hen. Yep. Yep. Host. Yeah. All those things. So I've always been that that way. And then um, when I when I was in um, like when I was in cosmetics, I always knew like how to work the business and how the business worked and how it meant. Manage and I was very in tune with like how the business was doing. Like I didn't just come to my job. I ops, I absolutely knew what our goals were, where we were, mm. make up the trend. Like I always took responsibility for the things I did. I think it's a competitive nature, and it, not like I'm. You know, it wasn't where we had to compete with each other, but I wanted us to do really well. Like I had pride about us having the number one company on the floor. I had pride about us doing really well. I had pride about my own my own results. I've always loved sales because you kind of got that instant gratification and ego boost that you need to just say you had a great day, mm. you had a great hour, you know, you had a great, <laughs> you had a great event, whatever it was. I it's, it's immediate. You can put the work in and at the end of the day, you can feel good, you know, and or at the end of the week, you can feel good. And I, I've always preferred to work that way, you know, like not where there's 10 of us all doing the same job and who knows who's really pulling the weight. I'm like, no, reward me for the extra weight that I'm naturally going to pull because that's just how I approach mm. things. Um, so sales, cosmetics, anything commission. Yeah. All day long. That was, Honestly, that was well, most people are not go-getters like you. Um, you know, most, most, they just want to be a part of the team. They just want to blend in, but you didn't yeah. care. You were, you know, you're a boss. Like you said, what inspired you? Like to- that. Even in my home, I was like that, like as a child, I was like a bossy, a bossy kid, but you know, you're talking about someone that is a Jamaican woman, you know, being, plucked out of New York and being thrown into Arizona where you're, you know, one or 2% minority, mm-hmm. everyone's evaluating you and half of them are hating you and the other half are confused by you. Um, but everyone is pretty clear. And so are you that you don't really fit in and you look nothing like anyone else, you know? So mm. in every environment, whether it was in the home residentially at school or in organizations and interest groups, you were always one of the, you were a part of the 2% minority group. Mm-hmm. You know, and so I think it really kind of fucks you up. Can I curse on here? I don't know. Girl, I, mean, Sorry. You know <laughs> I don't know. You go. We keep I, mean, I, think it, I do think it damages you though, because it's either it's either gonna make you shrink or it's gonna really make you, you outgrow and like outperform. And a lot of that is just being like we were we we had discussed before we started taping. It's like, you know. They let them underestimate you. I know that's kind of was by the time I got to entrepreneurship, I had already been trying to prove myself to myself and also let people know who I am, you know, like and and so I I had almost been reared that way. That's just Mm. how my life existence had been. So like in high school, it was like, there's no black people here. Okay, well, I'm going to be the president of the class. Fuck y'all. Wow. And that's what you were. You were the president of the class? I mean, it's, it's, I'm not showing up. I'm, t- I'm, I'm going to dominate. Wow. You know, you said something dope just now. You said, I have yeah. to prove myself to myself. Yeah. You don't care yeah. about anybody else. You was like, I had to prove myself to myself. That's a, that's a gem right there. That's a, that's a ball right there. <laughs> it's 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 a it's a response to an experience right so it's like a response to you know just having just having to compete right you know what i know i i know what you feel especially being an immigrant and you know our parents didn't know the system 
in terms of how to get to yeah. the top schools, how to get into the right position so you could, you know, you could get, you know, in the right places in your career. So we had to figure figure things out the hard way. I feel like I had to walk through the back, go through the back door a lot. And I feel like you had a chip on your shoulder. You know, that, that was yeah. your approach to everything. And I think that the 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 I think the real the jig is that no one thinks that I do because I sound a certain way, I talk a certain way, and I interact with people a certain way. But it's like, no, it's the same. Like I'm no different than your experience because I've had, you know, far far bigger challenges. I mean, I had friends that I wouldn't I wasn't even allowed to come to their house if their dad was home. You know, that oh, wow. so you talk about your parents' really? experience in the late 60s, like my, that was my experience in, in the 80s. <laughs> so, wow. Yeah. I heard about Arizona. <laughs> I heard about they Arizona. Might, they might be trying to rebrand now, but mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, I can only speak to my experiences and, you know, just having teachers that just wouldn't give you a fair shot. You know, mm, wow. That humiliated me one day for doing the same thing another kid was doing. We both got busted, but he really took joy in humiliating me. So mm. I think by the time I was an adult, I had already decided that the way that I can take charge of a situation is to be in full control of a situation. Mm. So like in work, you you have you have a lot of control when you're really fucking good and they can't deny you, right? Mm-hmm. And, so in, in, and then in business and in small in small business and entrepreneurism, you know everybody down to your own clients are going to tell you half of y'all fail. Well, actually, isn't it nine out of 10 of you that fail? You know, that's, yeah. that's messaging, right? Right. And um, that's just, so, but I'm already, but you're, you're talking about somebody that's already prepared for this. Oh yeah. You were, you were, you were, you were preparing for New York without, without realizing you were preparing for New York. Because I all the time, I can't you're not from here. And I'm like, yeah, I'm not. <laughs> yeah. I mean, that state of mind is so, important in making it everyone wants to come here and and dominate everyone envision themselves um dominating new york doing what they want to do in new york and being the top of their game but a lot i would say most people fail you know um huh and run right back home (laughs) and run and run right back home but you are you know I always say New York always eats people alive you know as much as people give in give to New York they don't get back out no it'll it'll, it'll mess I mean I think I wanted to leave three times in my first year mm. you no know, like I just didn't know that I could I could cut it because I don't I didn't have any I really didn't have any support here I didn't, I didn't have any mm. family support even though you had uh, your family here yeah my whole family was here but they weren't family that I had um, like literally the year before I moved here, my grandmother, right, my grandmother retired to Arizona. And so that was like uh, the everything, you know, right. that was like the reason we would come here. And I mean, now fast forward, everyone lives in Arizona. They have all bounced and they've oh, all wow. left. So you're like the yeah. only one left? Yeah, I'm the, I'm the last. And, and, you know, I, I'm used to having to figure it out on my own. So mm-hmm which is not always a good thing, but that's my truth. And right. so that's what I've always done. And I've done it in, in work and I've done it in business. And, and I know that it, um, I know that I'm underestimated. I expect, I expect that. Not anymore. <laughs> I'm like, that's okay. I'm going to chop in. I'm going to chop in. I know You're what I'm going to do. That I, I learn things. I can, I can perfect things if I really Right. <laughs> So let's talk about, let's talk about your, um, you know, how you became a business owner 
how did you um, make that happen um, in terms of what was your process? My experience at Mac, and that was really, I think, what confirmed for me that I could do it. Like when I started working at Mac, this was 1998. Um, they had just Mac had just sold off like a huge portion of the business to Estee Lauder, mm-hmm. and like that was their exit strategy. So the two owners were now off on their exit strategy and had become zillionaires off of selling Mac. Wow. Okay. I'm walking into a company where the checks are hand signed by the owner. It's a very small company. It's, it's it's very successful, but very, it's a small business. Like it's, it's a, they didn't have a lot of doors. They weren't in department stores at this point. They only just had their own stores and like literally probably a dozen of them all throughout the country. Mm. Very small. So I get there in 98 and that's the routine. And then I'm there for 10 years. And in that time, they be there in every retailer. They have, you know, thousands of stores, they're all over the world. They're what they became in the 2000s. And mm-hmm. so I'm there from the very beginning to what it became, where it became kind of, yeah. in New York on the front lines. So you, you really go through a lot of growth challenges and startup challenges um, and just bringing that business to scale. But like it, working in the trenches in the business, you, you start to understand how things work, why they work that way, why they, why they have to change and how they have to grow. So it was, it was like getting an MBA, but Mm, exactly. It was, was everything. It was everything about marketing, branding, how people should feel about your brand. They should clamor for that shit. You know what I mean? Mm. Like that's what I was learning because I had people that stood in line to buy lipstick. Yeah. There were other counters that sold lipsticks. Right. Right. So there's something about that experience that teaches you true marketing, mm. you know, okay. like the story, the brand story, like what you tell me, what I tell you is what you will believe about me. Fine. You, yeah. you about to teach a master class on this conversation. Yeah. <laughs> it was crazy. It was crazy. So everyone's like, what did you, you know, how was that? I was like, that taught me everything. And also like, you know, a lot of failures too. You're learning. Mm-hmm. So the companies, they don't always, they don't always get it right. A lot of times they get it wrong. So you're learning at their expense, at their dime. Right. It was, it was, it was the best thing for me. And that's what let me know I could do my own business. Cause I was like, I'm running their businesses. I'm running their right. multi-million dollar business for them. Yeah. I think I'm ready. And and so the, the polish bar was born out of me biting my nails, loving nails, loving that experience of going to really cute nail bars and just kind of wanting to create that. But in Brooklyn, I didn't like that it back then we didn't have fun, cute, fun mm. like, experiences in Brooklyn. Like it was, right. it was still kind of like, oh, is you doing it in Manhattan though, right? Like if it was going to be something special. Um, right. So I thought that there were a lot of women like me that lived in Brooklyn. Um, and so I just created a business that I would appreciate. And, it, mm. and I was right about that. There were a lot of women like me. That How did you get your funding? Um, was it so? No, no funding. I was, I was, there was, I mean, there was zero funding. I had been um, smart enough to understand at a very young age that real estate changed your life and it could change your financial picture drastically. And so like, I definitely came from a background where my mother impressed upon me the importance of credit properties, assets, investing. So I, I was, I was drilled with that as a child. Mm-hmm. And so by the time I opened Polish Bar, I owned an apartment and I had bought an apartment and I probably was the only person of it in all my entire peer group that owned an apartment. But I, mm-hmm. in my mind, it was important to sacrifice and save and buy something. And I bought mm. some in Clinton Hill. Um, one thing I naturally have always had is a 
an ability to just look at a neighborhood and to see where it's going, mm. even in Arizona. And so when I wanted a house in one area, I actually bought in another area, a far less, a far smaller property, far less nice property, but the neighborhood was mm. right. And so that property was appreciating crazy. Like I've been there for like a year and it had gone up like 150,000 or something wow. like that. Yeah, wow. it like tripled in value the, the entire time that I owned it. So I pulled some money out of there and had some money in savings and got about $52,000. And that's what I opened the salon with. And wow. how crazy was that? Because I had no backup planned. And right. that business... It just profited from day one. It just, I think we paid up all of it. You said it profited from day one because your instincts was right. There were people that wanted that, you know, yeah. in Brooklyn. I mean, I paid off, all, I paid myself back in a year and a half. Absolutely. Oh, wow. And with, yeah. And then a year and a half in, not only had I paid myself back, I was facing the dilemma of I had grown out, I had outgrown the space and I was right. losing my business. And I was getting a lot of heat for that because it was like, it's nice if you can get in there. And I, I can't blame them. They were right. Um, so I then had the problem to figure out how to expand, you know, and, um, luckily I'd been working for a brand and I had been opening Mac stores prior to doing my own business. I've been going around opening Mac stores in different cities, mm. training their teams, deciding what art, like, uh, teaming up their artists. So picking personalities and, and they're going to work in this location. That'll be a good fit for this location. So it was a little bit of like new hire development, a lot of retail development, um, and operations of opening a business is what I was doing. Are you by yourself, by the way? I was working right. at Mac, but you know, I was like, I would have to be tasked with, you have to go and open Cross County or you have to go open Huntington, wow. all these Smith Haven, all these really great shopping places. <laughs> so I learned that piece of it. And then I, I think that I'd always kind of set Polish Bar up in a way so it could multiply. So then opening the second one in year two had to happen and it did happen. And that mm -hmm. just happened at the beginning of the recession. Um, I had a, a vision for that strip on Vanderbilt and what it is today is what I envisioned it to be, you know, back then in, 20, in 2007. I was like, this is what this is going to be. Wow. The strip of nothing but eat. I was, I remember the language. I would say eateries and small, small business shopping. That's like what I would Wow. Say. And is it not like walk the strip? You know, that's exactly what happened. But I've always been able to see where something would go just looking at a block. Like it's, mm. it's a really weird thing. Um, right. I was early though. So, like what we were talking about earlier, I was early, you know. Uh, yeah. Uh, Barclays got really drastically delayed by like years, four or five years. And so, where that strip is at currently is where I needed it to be. In yeah. When you open up. Yeah. So it was, it was, just, it was a hard business and it was, it was just only luck that that business stayed open for five years. And I think it was just straight stellar marketing because the client body multiplied and we were able to have one store that continued to make a great profit and another store that more than paid for itself. Mm. The bigger, more expensive store never turned the profit that the little baby, the little baby store made. So in hindsight, I don't think I made any, any bad moves because the failure of the second location would have never put me into real estate. Mm -hmm. So like, there's no regret. I hear people say that. I'm like, yeah, you have regrets. <laughs> no, no, no. I mean, everything happened for a reason. There are no regrets at that though. Right. But you know what? You, you, um, you, you said something, you know, based on your story you told, he's like, you was doing it for other people. Why don't I just do it for myself? Yeah. You know, we there's so much of us dynamic, you know, working in corporate America, making other people money. 
but they don't really believe in doing it for themselves. So you're an example of someone who said, after that, I'm going to better myself and this skill set that I learned, I'm going to, you know, apply it to what I want to do and to build in my legacy and build in my wealth. Yeah. And you know, and that's like a lot of narrative, a lot of the narrative for so many people. But I would I would say the key thing is that that is is always left out of that statement is that I had a full understanding of what it took to run a business. A full, Mm. you know, like because a lot of us go to our jobs and we're like, I should I shouldn't be working for this person. I should be doing my own thing. Do you have an idea of what actually goes on all the way around here? Right, right. Because the part that you do is probably very vital, but it has nothing to do with the profitability of this company. Right. So right. you need to figure out what everybody does and how all the parts work before you try to do your own thing, because that's the setup. And that's right. the part that I think a lot of the podcasts and the panels aren't honest about. Like I knew about nails, beauty, customer service, marketing, bookkeeping, how to like literally had to learn how to update my website. This is 2007. Let's be clear. Right. Like, you know, when they said this thing, Facebook is coming out and it's going to be a great way to market your business and to talk to your clients and you can become friends with your clients. In 2008, I had Facebook like I knew everything. I knew this. How, how do you stay so freaking focused? Because that's a big thing. There's so much like, going you on. To, you have to at least get an understanding of it. So before you can delegate, you just kind of have to know something. Mm-hmm. I mean, I didn't make it my business to do bookkeeping, but I could read the reports and I could, I could see if there were errors being made you know Um, like I I I couldn't afford to have a maintenance person so I had to learn how to do a lot of the maintenance for my business serious of course I'll make a toilet on you right now yes wow (laughs) (laughs) you know it's it's I think I heard about that I heard him uh you know you know on you know fixing your toilet and stuff like that I think I heard I don't know if it's to Renee or somebody whatever it is and and that is like you know when you see yourself getting older and you're like turning into your mom but that was my mom my mom knew how to fix everything she owned and if she didn't she'd go to the library and check a book out and figure it out Mm. she didn't have the she would go to the library and she'd pull, pull a book from the library and figure out how to change her air filter or her oil change or whatever she needed to do so you're that's my rearing and so like I probably try to take on too much because I want to have a thorough understanding of things, but I just, I feel really crippled to make decisions if I don't understand fully what questions uh-huh. are. And so when I do have a good handle on the finance piece of my business, the marketing piece of my business, oh, this new thing, social media. Okay. How is that going to, whatever it is, I, I can't make the best decision if I really don't understand it. Um, right. That made more of a type A personality. And I do understand how people can be very successful without that trait but mm. if you're talking to me about what my point of difference is that's my point of difference is that right. I the extra time to understand that you probably won't and that I'm far more competitive than you probably are right oh you're very competitive you know <laughs> just just you talking right now you I, I could feel that energy yeah um in terms of okay you, you spoke a little bit about the pol- the polish bar and how yeah. you you paid yourself back in a year and a half. You had such a great location, but the second location wasn't that great. And so they had to balance each other out. So how was the overall experience owning the Polish bar? And why did you tap out? I tapped out because that's a that's the first question I'll answer. I tapped out because I hated my life. I hated my schedule. Mm. And I hated what I had created. I had created the demand for my attention on this business um, seven days a week, 
you know, and I, I don't want to pay anything, any attention being or anyone. How about that? <laughs> so basically you didn't have a personal life. It was all, it was on, you know, no. and I've always been the believer of like, um, you know, do great works. So you can live a great life. Like that, that's the mindset, right? So I show up and I do my part and I do more than my part and I work hard and I, I really give it my all because I want to live a good life. Mm-hmm. And so I was doing all of that in small business. And sometimes, you know, you start to set the bar lower and lower and lower for what you'll accept. And so you probably become a worse boss than your old boss because you're making right. work more hours and, and more sleep deprived. And right. that's what I had, that's what it had turned into for me. I just like, I had the makings of success in that way, as far as how it pictured but I was so like miserable and unhappy because I just, I really just wanted my life back. I wanted some t- just some time back. Mm-hmm. And I wanted, um, I wanted to progress per- personally, not professionally anymore. You know, mm-hmm. and I, I got to a point in life where I thought I had to. I wanted to progress personally, not professionally. Yeah. You know, there's a lot I, of. I thought I had to choose. I had, I had convinced myself at that point that I had to choose. So I was like, okay, well, this is what I choose then. I choose to, to try to progress now personally. Mm-hmm. I didn't think that I could um, have both. So I just was like, okay, I, I'm going to do, I'm going to do this. <laughs> so how hard was it for you to like make that decision and walk away from something you put so much into? It was, it was really difficult. And then it wasn't all of a sudden. So it was two extremes. It was like really, really hard to make. And I wish I, I wish I had made it sooner. And Oh, wow. Really? Hell yeah. Hell yeah. <laughs> Like two years sooner, yeah. I mean, so you, I were, you know, after Sandy, and then I never did anything about it until like 20 feet. Mm. I let two years go by before I put a plan in motion. I would just think, mm-hmm. um, and that's not my personality. Like, if I'm like, I'm leaving you, Kelsey, I'm gone in the morning. Like, I don't know what's <laughs> I don't, Are you not looking back. Yeah, no, no. What, what made so, you, what made you, you know. What made you procrastinate? What made you yeah, take that, so long? Yeah, that to unpack that in therapy. So I had, that had become my identity to myself. So I was like, if I'm, I'm the beauty girl, I don't really know who else I would be. So I had wow. decided that, that, you know, because I'd always worked in beauty, that that's what I was good at. And that's what I, I, could, I would always be good at. So the real estate hustle was like, let me get into this. I think I'll make great money. And then I can come back and invest in another beauty gig. That's what oh, that was. So that was a strategy. I was like, I'm just going to do this. Just knock this out for like two years. You know, make boom, a little cash. Boom. <laughs> little did you know. Yeah. Yeah. I think I was going to be making foot butters or something. I don't know. But I was, I, that was the plan. And I didn't expect to like it. You know, I didn't expect that my clients would follow me. Mm. And that was the, so the lesson learned, like, you know, I think that I waited too long to close it. And I think that it was really hard for me to close it emotionally, not logically, just emotionally, because I thought that that's who I was. Right. And with age and time, I realized I'm whoever the fuck I decide to be that day in that moment. Mm. <laughs> so I can be a housewife one moment. I can be a host with the most. I can also, you know, be a great stepmom. I can be a great business owner. I can be a great friend. I can be a great sister. Um, but there's no limitations on how dynamic I can be. So I know, you know, you just dropped another gem, right? Because a lot of people identify with their careers. Like, you know, what do you do? Or what do you do? First thing they're going to talk about your job. And, you know, that's something that you had to. And we like, we we basically, we boil down to that, right? 
Mm-hmm. And, and, and that, that's, that's your, why, why is like, I remember talking to my best friend one day and I was driving up Willoughby Avenue. I remember it clear as day. I know the outfit I had on. And she was like, why, why is what you do? So such a big part of you. Mm. And I was silent. Mm. That was a question that kind of sparked something. Mm-hmm. Wow. So, like you're always making up for something, right? You're always like trying to get back and make up. And so I think a lot of that for me at that time was um, trying to outperform, trying mm. to out, you know, again, right? Like we're, we're all back in high school again, right? Right, right, right. <laughs> you're so consp- you can see you're really competitive. Yeah, yeah. We're just right back there. So uh, that, was a re- that was a really defining moment for me because it was like, why? Yeah, why is that? Like, why is that so important to me? Right. You know? And then when I did it, I was like, Kelsey, it was the best thing I'd ever done. I couldn't believe I, I just was like, I, I just don't, I was just, I was like, I. No regrets, no nothing. When people are like, oh, how did it close your business? I'm like, whatever. Like, I just, I, I just, my regret is I didn't do it sooner because wow. you, you can try something and you can pull away and you can try something else and you don't have to hold yourself in this prison. Right. Like, you don't have to do that. Like, you're right. life. You're not here doing your, like. The same work and cut it and let's go. You know, like right. celebrate that. Celebrate when you change your mind and you decide to try something different. Like the hell, if I had not done, I needed that that failure in order to end up here. Because when I end up in this next career where all the things I've learned in life come into play here and mm. all the strengths that I have come into play here. Right. They didn't they fit in those other rooms, you know, I, I've always had this energy, this attitude, this away, this, this directness, whatever it fits here. It, right. it fits in the room. Cause now I'm talking to developers. I'm talking to land property owners. I'm talking to shitty neighbors that don't want me to be there. Like I can handle myself in that space because I have right. all the skills. Yeah. You know, hey, I mean, I was, you know, one of the quick questions that I had was what made you choose real estate, but it all makes sense. <laughs> you know, it all makes sense. Only okay, the top. In beauty, think about it. Like even down to like, I remember suggesting stores at Mac and being like, we should have a store in Brooklyn Heights. We should have a store. And everywhere I suggested, those stores did phenomenally. Mm. Like, that's, that really was happening back then. You know, right. even like in locations with Polish Bar, I had people that would be like, I want to know where your next store is opening because I know I need to be focused on that neighborhood. Like I had <laughs> investors that literally like, wow. neighbor, you go in when it's cheap and then it gets hot. You know, based on just how the stores open, there's a there's a salon uh, chain here right now called Honey. And I met the owner of that Honey, that guy. We used to sit on a board together for Dashing Deep, but we sat on the board. But he was like, I used to watch your moves because I knew if you were focused on a neighborhood that, that I needed you to be focused on that. So hard. Yeah. Hey. So I think, it's all, I think it's always been there. It's always right. been there. It just took a couple of different mis- missteps to really reveal itself, mm-hmm. you know? And then now I'm just trying to work through all of the obstacles and challenges that you know so very well to, to do something bigger and better than me, you know, right. bigger and better my cat my capacity. And right. um, you know, I, I have a, I had in my mind what that looks like. I just need the support and the help to make it work. And so that's right. where I'm at now. That, that's the reason for, you know, of doing all of this, sustaining what real estate was that I felt like, okay, this is not going to be just a quick, let's just get in here and make some money. Like, no, learn the craft, learn the art, learn it for yourself so you can really do a great job with it and do more with your your life because you do it. You said your customers followed you. What do you mean by that? Um, In terms of, uh, is that why you 
became such a beast in real estate out the day. I would have to credit half of my um, progress. Um, it's hard because like in, in numbers, I'm successful, but in, in my um, plan, I'm not successful just yet. You know, like, cause we're, but my plan is for myself. I'm on, on target, mm-hmm. <laughs> but I'm not successful. So I would say that my progress um, is, is 50%. They own 50% of my, of, of my progress and any success that I've had because my clients, um, they believe in me, mm. period. They really believe in me. Um, what is it that they believe in? What is it they saw in you um, mm-hmm. that made them believe in you and trust you with such a big, they said real estate is one of the biggest decision and purchase that anybody would ever make in their life. So, you know, not having an experience in technical official experience as a broker, you know, right. you're coming like, oh, I do real estate now. What made them like, you know what? I'm going to go with you. I trust you. You know, what is it you think? Is it your work ethic? Is it your, you know, your marketing yeah. and branding skills? What is it? I think it's, um, I built, you know, real estate is a business of relationships and I built those relationships previously. Mm-hmm. So my, my biggest pet peeve, and anybody who knows me will know, I hate what well, was easy for you because you had college bar. And I'm like, I had polished bar. So it was actually twice as much work for me. Mm. You know, I built my relationships with that business and brought them to this business. Right. Correct. And that's hard to do, by the way. I'm trying to do that right yeah. now. Yeah. Because you know. when you diminish the 10 years of polish bar, you're not being fair. You're, you're saying it's easy for you because you had that for 10 years. I ran that business for 10 years. What have you done for 10 years? And mm. what have you done well for 10 years? Then yeah. we can have a comment. So that was such a huge sacrifice. Um, to do that business and to walk away from a good paying six figure job and, you know, and do that at that time, which, and it wasn't trendy and cute at that time. You know? Yeah. It wasn't. There weren't communities for us and there weren't uh, groups that we, we didn't have meetups. We didn't, we weren't a thing. Yeah. Um, but it was a risk. And I think that being forthcoming with my clients about the fact I am no longer happy with this business and I'm wanting to do something else I would love for you to, to, you know, to follow me to the new business. I wrote my own personal words to all of my clients. I think I, I think I emailed it to like 18,000 people, wow. 99% women, 92% Brooklyn women. And um, at that time we had a 22,000 person database. And I know that I sent that email to somewhere upwards of 18,800, 18,900 people. And again, that was my demographic, you know? Um, mm-hmm. So if you were to take what close deals with, yes, 90% women, because that, you know, my relationships come from where come from a beauty business. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think that what I did in that moment, I had never done before. I had always positioned Polish Bar as the brand and I had never really, I mean, I had some notoriety because obviously like, I had these businesses and people thought they were cute and they had ridiculous press. So obviously, right. you know, known or they were known. It was known. I wasn't known. It was known. And I liked it. It was known. I liked the fact that I wasn't known. So I would kind of, I like to kind of keep it that way because it's right. not, it, it, I'm in, I want to be in the cut and get paid. Like, that's the, can I just explain that? Trust to me, you? that's, yeah. I've always dreamed about that, but that's not possible. Yeah. You have to, so, uh, people got to know who you are. Yeah, I'm learning that. I'm learn. I'm definitely. Oh, you learned that. that. <laughs> yeah, I learned it early. I learned it early. I, I mean, I you know the transition for me was like now I have a business and I can't promote 
the business had to promote me. I have to say, I'm this, I'm good. And I struggled with that really bad for the first couple of months. And my partner and um, my leak from Curlbox were like, you better get over yourself. And that feels Listen, you, yeah, you, know, you keep I dropping did. gems, you know, because I think one of the major part of becoming successful in, in business or entrepreneur, you have to know how to self-promote, you know, yeah. and you got to yeah. do it shamelessly, like <laughs> it's, just part it's, of it's uncomfortable, you know, and oh, it's uncomfortable for me. I think for some people, they love the attention. I I love, I love, I mean, to me, I love what it, the access, like I love to work hard and I love the experiences that I'm able to create for myself as well as the people I love based on the results of my work. Like that's right. the part that gives a, a natural high. I, it's not the notoriety or the popularity, you know, but that's yeah. my personality. And I'm a very private person in that way. You know, like I'm an introvert or extrovert. I think I'm definitely more of an introvert, even though I really do well and look like an extrovert. <laughs> I can do panels, I can talk, I can engage with anyone, but I don't right. like everybody. Right. <laughs> you know, right. uh, you know, we have a friend in common, Brent Neeson. She's always like, people always ask me, how know how she's friends with you? She ain't friends with nobody. <laughs> <laughs> you know, like, I, you know, I have tons of friends. I worked in beauty, but I don't vibe with everybody, and I don't mm. try to. I'm okay. I definitely will, you know, I stay in my lane. I don't, I'm not, I really don't go out. Um, you know, there's just different types of wins for me personally, you know, mm-hmm. and a lot, a lot more like, you know, being at home, being with my family, like, um, that's I what really small. matters. Yeah. Like I've, I've never, I've never been heavy in the streets. I've never needed mm-hmm. that or wanted that. I've always What's your sign? Pisces. Okay. Pisces. Okay. What's your sign? I'm cancer. I'm a sensitive guy. <laughs> I'm in tune though. I have like six cents. I could feel people's energy. Yeah. I could feel people's mm-hmm. vibe. And I'm I'm also an introvert, by the way, even though I'm the social broker. <laughs> it's so it's it's like so ridiculous. I think a lot of people are introverts though. Yeah. Like, I mean, especially I don't like I like my people, I don't like people. And I'm like, mm, I feel you on that. <laughs> yeah. I mean especially being in New York. I mean, I think I remember how I started doing events because I was so comfortable at home. I was like, but the world is going out, going on out there. I can't, yeah. I got to find a way to kind of be a part of it. So I purposely started doing events because it gave me a reason to go out. <laughs> oh, that, see that that's good. And if you enjoy, like, if, if you want to stress me out, tell me I have to get ready and go out. like I can get up and go to work every day but like it's my poor partner if he can't make a plan at night because he knows 50% of the time I'm going to weasel my way out of it Mm. you know um I I just I don't love that type of activity I definitely love being home and I love watching tv with my family I fall asleep within 10 minutes and they watch the rest of it and it's fine. Oh, <laughs> like, wow. That's dope though. I mean, because a lot of, you know, I think when people hear your story, they feel, you know, a lot of people think in order for you to be uh, successful in New York, you have to be that extrovert. you got to be everywhere. And it's, to me, I think it's the total opposite. You know, you don't yeah, have, I you don't want to spread yourself too thin. Be very strong. Like you can come across very strong, even if you stick to yourself and even if you do better on your own. Right. Like I do think you come across very strong. I think like when you ask me why, like, why do women trust me? I think it's because I'm very direct and I'm very um, consistent in that directness. I think I'm always 
just naturally wired to improve upon something I'm a part of. So mm. I'm on your podcast, I want to make it better. If I'm at your party, I want to make it better. If right. I'm selling your house, I want to do a better job than the person selling the house next door. I always want to feel like I have, I, I literally say this constantly and I hold myself to this. If I'm a part of it, it's going to be better than it would have been if I wasn't. Mm. Like I'm going to contribute and make it better. So I don't care what you do. You can be doing a brunch. If I'm there, it's going to be a better brunch. I'm going to bring more energy to the room. I'm going to help you with setup. I'm going to make sure everything is beautiful and branded and gorgeous. Like I made my contribution. And I think I do that in every relationship I have, any space I walk into, any room I walk into. Like I just feel that I always leave things better than I found them. I, I, wow. I just think that's how I'm wired. I don't think about it. I don't have to be intentional about it. It's just what happens. Like if me and you talk, we can be talking about your sweatshirts for 10 minutes. And then I'm like, have you tried blah, blah, blah. You know, I, I'm just naturally going to be like, <laughs> I'm just naturally going to say, well, how about this? How can we improve upon that? And it's I'm going to holler too offline about that. <laughs> it's, not even it's just, it's almost like you're feeding me information. And I'm like, how can I make it better for this person? How can right. I make it better for this, in this situation? So I'm like, if it comes even down to a party, I'm going to make the, I'm going to make it better. I'm going to okay. help you. I'm going to help you. You know, that's, that's, that's where, how I am. And I think, so by the time I got into my second business in real estate now, Hey guys, I'm all going into real estate and I wish that you could follow me. I think that the relationships were really solid at that point, you know, it'd been a decade. And so they were like, well, she does do what she says she's going to do. That's one thing about her, you know, right, I think that right. was kind of, so and that's you all your consistency in my life yeah I was a grown woman like quitting my my damn business like how you quit your business that's crazy I was quitting my business and I was starting a new career and my personal opinion of that is that a lot of people if they couldn't relate to me on any other level they could completely relate to wanting to quit your life and start over mm. oh, yeah. I think that I think that so many people followed along for that journey because they wanted to know how does this end and how does she keep going? You know, right. and the same, I, I think it's like an admiration. I feel when I interact with people, I do feel that they're proud for me, but I also think that they're happy to know that I did well because it lets them know that they can break away and start. Right. right. You know, and that is I why I, I wanted it that way. And that's why I wanted to interview you because I've seen you move. Um, I mean, from my perspective, it seems so effortlessly, but you, you dominated one industry and left it. You dominated another industry. And, you know, a lot of people are like so hesitant to, 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 yeah. to better they themselves. They want to know, like, what do they need to know? They want me to tell them it's going to be okay. It's, it's not effortless. It's hard work. It, mm -hmm. It's staying up late. It's consistency. I mean, God, there's so many days where. Consistency damn thing and nothing ever changes and then you start to feel crazy like well maybe i'm <laughs> maybe i'm off <laughs> you know like right. it, it, you're trying you're trying every day and nothing is working you know but like shit that was my process that's what i mm. went through you know and you know what maybe i, I think the difference is at, when i opened polish bar i was at an age where i was far more fearless you know when i opened yeah. when i when I started in real estate, I had fallen on my face. I had ruined my credit. I had lost my money and I was very humble. Mm. I was humble, but I absolutely felt like I was in the wrong setup. I was like, I'm, I'm, I'm supposed to be, this is all wrong. Let's, let's, right. let's scratch this. 
right again, you know, because I felt like this, this isn't, I'm a winner. What the, what am I doing here? <laughs> you know? right. I remember feeling I work, one, I've worked too hard. I've worked too hard and I've sacrificed too much. I've lost 10 years of my life, mm. you know, like 10 years of looking for my mate, 10 years of, you know, living in different places and travel, like just, I wasn't traveling. I wasn't able to see the world that I was living in. You know, mm. I was, I was working every day. Um, so I think that the process is the process. And there's like, I could talk to you to your blue in the face. It is what it is, what it is, is the same as you experience it. Real estate is hard and real estate is just like life. Like you could put all you got into it and nothing can come out of it. You could just show up and people could just bless you with something, mm-hmm. you know, it just, you know, but, but the, the key is sticking to it. Cause it is a career that you will not make any money for a year to two years. You will not make any money, but guess what? In entrepreneurism, that's kind of what happens. Right. 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 There's brands out here that we have stocks where they ain't made no money yet. <laughs> you know? So, when, so that's when, did, when did things change for you? You know, saying that out the gate, you had to hustle and keep working, working, nothing was happening. What was that turning point that, that, that changed the game for you in terms of real estate for me for me it was six months in I remember talking to my mom about it and being like this I remember telling her that I was starting to feel like I was losing it because why would you get dressed every day and go to an office and do a job every day and you never get paid right and around around month four or five it started to feel like oh this it's not the system it's you like you this is not for you and like, I think I, I literally said to her, I was like, I think, I think I'm crazy because if you do something over and over and over again, isn't that like a lot of sign of insanity when it's not working and you just keep trying to make right. it work? <laughs> That's, the entrepreneurs like, are crazy, by the way. Yeah. yeah. I was like, I cannot, I cannot do this anymore. I was like, I just want to flip the fucking desk. That's what I said. I remember saying that. And she was like, give it 30 more days. And if you don't feel that you see any results, then you can go in there and flip the desk. Mm. And I was like, yeah, 30 more days. Cool. You know, I'm still running. I'm still running some of the salons too. So I'm oh, wow. stay early in the morning until like late at late lunch. And then I'm going to the salon. Um, and then month six, it was like, <sighs> like boom. Wow. Yeah. It was over. It wasn't overnight. I, I should never say that. Cause that, 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 that's a lie. Everything started to click in month six, mm. everything started to click. Every offer started to get accepted. Every client started to call every pitch worked. Wow. I had clients that had exclusives with other people and were like, I can't wait for them to be finished. I can give it to you. Wow. Or in my second sale, they were like, I just signed an exclusive, but I haven't returned it. I had no idea you were in real estate. Let's talk today. I jumped off of a treadmill and went to her house. Wow. Workout outfit on. (laughs) Wow. Yeah. It was month six. And then it was just on fire ever since then. When I closed Polish Bar, I had 11 deals in contract. Oh, <laughs> nice. And I was in the back door at the closing party. I was in the backyard taking calls and I got my 12th, 11th or 12th signed contract. No, no, accepted offer at that event. So my friends are inside partying. I'm outside getting an accepted offer. Wow. Wow. Yeah. So what is this where you were at Cor- Conquering? I was at Corcoran. Yep. Corcoran, there. Corcoran, yeah. And then and you transitioned for- to... Uh- Compass. What made you transition to Compass? Um, their founder is like I I don't even know. He's just amazing. He's everything. He's wonderful. And he saw Robert. Yeah, Robert Refkin. Yeah. Like he's like 
like he's he's like a, to me he's like Obama. I always say that, but I don't care. That's how I see him. Yeah, um, he's amazing. And I don't know how I got, I don't know how I got on his radar, but I definitely was. I was really killing it my first year at Corcoran, and so I would imagine he knows like who's killing it where and whatever. So I was introduced to him, brought to meet him, and I probably was like nine months in at that time. Mm-hmm. And, and this business just made sense to me that like what they were doing, that business model, the tech, everything made perfect sense at that time. And I was actually really flattered that for me being such a brand new agent, they weren't actually taking agents that weren't experienced at that time. So I was coming in as the young, like the newest broker in wow. the newest agent in, in their company. Yeah. And in, in my first less than my first year, I had done enough deals to get my broker's license. I had, I think it was 14 something million I had done before the year was even up. And so he wanted me, I wanted to go there. And so that's what I did. I left and you know, I left at a time where people don't leave brokerages that early in their career and specifically when they're getting their stride. Right, right. Yeah, but I, I, I will do that. It's the same way that I left Compass to go to Sirhan. And it's just like, what? Yeah, that's, that's what's, that's what's. I know. Going. I mean, Compasses went public, you know, they're, they're, they feel like they caught their stride and everyone, you know, it's like the most recognizable brand in real estate right now, you know, especially with the modern day tech um, approach. And yeah, you, you left. What made you, what made you do that? I think um, I knew I was hitting five years and that's my personal limit, you know, for anything. So that, that was a bigger part of it. That it was like, okay, I've been here for five years, you know, whatever it is. But I guess I, I, I think I came, I started the year thinking I was going to just meet with everyone because everyone calls every day and everyone wants to meet right. every day. They try to poach you. Everyone try to poach you. Yeah, like, I'm like, like that, that, that's a, it's cute, but it's also like a lot, you know, sometimes I'll be halfway in the conversation. I'm like, oh wait, you don't have a property for me to sell. You're trying to get, you're trying to give me a job. Oh, <laughs> right. no, 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 no. Right, right, right. <laughs> It's so confusing, but um, I just knew that the calls would continue. So I started taking the calls in the spring and I'm not really sure like how I got on Ryan's radar. But then when, once he was on my radar, I started listening to his books and, and I really loved his books. And I thought that I'd fit in with his mindset and how he wanted to run his Big money energy. <laughs> yeah. And I was like, hi, present. Wow. <laughs> We're here. <laughs> Um, so I would have to say that his books were what solidified it for me, but I was already on the market and I was already, I was already dating. I was out talking. Oh, know, so you're ready to leave. Yeah. I, Cause I, I, like I said, five years was coming up and I was like, okay, it's time to shake things up a little bit. You know, um, I, I may not always get better at things, but I will always be growing in some way, shape or form because I don't get, I don't get stagnant with anything I do. So you basically um, so, thought you were, you were getting too comfortable compass. I felt like I was this magical black girl at Compass and I felt like I I wanted to really be a magical black girl. Like I really wanted to be a superstar broker and I didn't think that that was going to happen there. It probably mm. will happen anywhere that I'm at, but I didn't think it was going to happen there. I think why, why, why you thought that? I mean, why you thought? Because you were the top, you were one of the top brokers. Yeah, you know, I but, think that in a smaller environment, like where I'm at now, you have more of an opportunity for mentorship. 
and mm. you have more of an influence on things. You have more of a way your feedback matters. You have a seat around the table kind of sort of. Yeah, like. you know, and um, I, I do think there's, I do think that there's a plan for me in a way that I've never really felt before. Um, and it, it's good to feel that way because when you kind of have been like a boss your whole life and kind of in control of everything your whole life, what you never expect for is for somebody to actually have a plan for you or to see you in a certain way, like see this for you. Like I, I could see this for you. Um, that's just been my consistent experience at Surhan is that even if it's me saying, talking my shit about me and saying, oh, I want to do this, that, and the other. It's like, everyone's like, yeah. Oh yeah, of course. Like, I mean, I remember one time talking to Ryan just about like commuting and he had jumped on the train out of a car to come meet me or something. And I was like, no, I was like, I don't take the train. He's like, Trisha, you don't take the train. I was like, no. And then I just spit out of my mouth. I was like, you know, Ryan, I'm really trying to have a driver. (laughs) (laughs) It was like, tell me more. (laughs) Wow. At this age and at this, at this point in life, like, like at least start with honesty. You know, at least start there. So um, I've always felt that comfortability in my in my in my short term here. I, I have had that comfortability. Like I do feel that there's a plan for me, and even if there's not, I feel that any plan I have for myself. Ooh, is there's a plan doable. for you, like a bigger purpose. Yeah, um, I feel like um, I like my like. At my current firm, I'm sitting around tables having conversations about what do you want to do and how can we help you? Mm. And someone like me, that's all we need. Mm-hmm. You know? Right. And how many times sitting around it's that boss, It's that boss in you. <laughs> I mean, how many times do you sit down and like, what, what do you want to, like, what do you want and how can we support you in getting there? Wow. Like, I belong, I belong in that space. I belong in that room. And not to say that I couldn't have had that at another firm, but I have it here. And I, and I think that the move was great for me. I think that when I listen to the broker owner in his books, I think that what he says sounds like things I would say, Mm, you know, the methodology, Mm -hmm. you know? So I think a lot of things are aligned for me to do very, be very successful here and everywhere. Like I think, you know, people are like, how, how do you like it? I'm like, I'm good anywhere I'm in it. <laughs> oh, yeah. I'm excited to see how you move. I mean, you know, I've seen you. I mean, Trisha Lee, it's not Compass. It's not Sirhan. Now it's Trisha Lee. You got your own team, the Trisha Lee team. You know, how does yeah, that I feel? I have to be my own in whatever I'm doing. And so I've like if, if I was ever aligned with a brand that didn't understand that they would never, ever work. So that's, that's the bare minimum because I do believe that my clients follow me. My clients, they, they are, they, they, they mess with me. They don't like, they don't they, half the time. They don't even know where I'm at mm. they can wow. tell and they don't care. Right. Right. So what's your advice to me? All right. So being at you in a place where you feel like everything's aligned, what's the, What's the big picture for Trisha Lee? Big picture is probably, um, you know, I really want to build a phenomenal real estate team. That's what I mean. Mm. That's what I mean. Not a business? (laughs) A team, a business, you know, whatever it is, like whether it's at a firm, my own firm, whether it's at a brokerage or I'm at my own. Trisha Lee's a good name for a firm, by the way. I just want to let you know. (laughs) I don't think that like 
you know, this is a world where we work for ourselves. You know, you've been here, we work for ourselves. So I don't think whether I'm at a brokerage or whether I'm on my own or whether I'm working from my home office, it's all me anyways. It's all I, I got, all I got is me, you know? Um, but I want to build a phenomenal team to where I can do less, collect more mm-hmm. and share the the life and work lessons with other people so that they can expand and do really great. Like this, this is my first year where I'm watching people make money because of sacrifices that I've made. It's cute to make money like that. That's super cute. That's my favorite thing all day long, but it's super cute to see other people making money because of, of you down and what you right. this is my first year where I can say this person made a hundred thousand dollars because of the business I built. This person made two hundred thousand dollars. That's where I'm at now. So I need to I need to see a lot more of that because I want to. That's a different type of like, I don't know, that feeds you in a different way. You know, mm-hmm. like you, you have the you have the power in your hand to change people's financial picture and to change their lifestyle. Mm-hmm. Um, that's that's very very sexy, right? Right. You know, so it's far more sexy than buying stupid shit with money that you make. Right. You know, it's far more sexy. Right. It's far more sexy because you know, like, like one of the big things for me is being able to help my mom. You know, like. Mm. So, you know, and, and say, do this and I don't need it. Well, to take it and then do spend it on nothing. Then I don't care, but just take it, you know, like I, that's something that's really big for me. So it's weird, like starting to figure out like what drives you. And I didn't know that that drove me, but I'm like super like proud to be able to say, well, this person made, you know, my girl's killing it. She did this, she did this. And, and to know that like the work that I've laid out has allowed that to happen. And so right. that's my why currently that I'm like, I really want to see other women like me do really well. Other people like me do really well um, and get be set up for success. I do feel like I'm knocking down a lot of walls, a lot of barriers for that to happen. Um, but I think that if I stay the course and I'm consistent and I do my time, right? Because, you know, at the end of the day, this is five years. I don't have 15, 20 years in. Mm. I do my time. I do think I can set myself up and quite a few other people to really have success in this game. Right. That, that would be the big picture part. Um, but right now it's just building out a team of people and make sure they're all doing really well. And I'm, I'm proud of that because that is so hard to do. Yeah. I mean, I mean, it's the boss in you. And <laughs> like Ryan said, it's your big money energy. <laughs> I'll referring to that book. I really just, just listened to it myself, you know, and he said something about future opportunities, F.O., uh, what are the future opportunities for the Trisha Lee brand? Are you uh, going to write some books? Are you going to do some public speaking? Possible. Like, I think I'm, I've, I've learned that I'm a natural writer. That's kind of the feedback I always get. I, I think I have my first two dozen books sold, at least if I decide to write a book. Okay. <laughs> Okay. okay. Friends are like, when is your book coming out? I'm like, what, what book are you guys speaking about? <laughs> um, so I think that writing a book is great. I think that, you know, I think it'd be great to do podcasts like this and meet people and have great connections with people and talk about, you know, fun and crazy experiences. Um, I mean, the sky's the limit, you know, but what I never want to take for granted is to, is to learn my foundation. So I think that now I'm really trying to like, put things in place so I can do more things you do other right. things right so now I'm at the point where like I can be off for two weeks or three weeks because I have things in place you know that for someone that used to run a salon that they were at seven days a week is a huge accomplishment to be able to even be in that situation so your work or your work-life balance is really much better now huh 
drastic, drastic, like drastic. And a lot of that is me managing myself and me managing my clients and setting boundaries. You know, mm. I'm clear on that. Like I have a hard stop every single day and I have day, I have, you know, specific times in, of the week that I'm off and not available. Um, that took a lot of development though. Like I would just, the need to please, the need to, to outperform will throw that off and uh-huh. to, to realize that there had to be a healthier way to go about this. Right. Right. Yeah. Otherwise I would have recreated the same situation all over again. And I, I mean, my partner used to talk about all the time. He's like, you left that for this. Now you're recreating it here. And I'm like, right. With me? right. So I'm there now. I definitely have a good balance. And, um, you know, I, I, I'm not sure what's going to happen. I know I'm, in, I know I'm going to work on selling a ton of houses in the next year. And okay. I believe that will present the opportunities that are the be- the next best opportunities for me. Mm-hmm. I, I got to perform and I have to, I have to serve my time. And at the end of the day, I've done great things in a very short period of time, but there are people out here that have been killing it so much longer than I've even been thinking about real estate. <laughs> you know, I mean, you know, let me ask you something. I mean, being someone of a color, is that a hindrance in the real estate business or no? I feel like it would have to be like, I think that, you know, it, I think being a woman and being someone of color is a hindrance. You know, there are people that they can't respect me because I'm a woman. Mm-hmm. They're intimidated or pissed off by my assertiveness. Mm-hmm. I'm I'm the person you're trusting to sell your biggest asset, but you're concerned about my right. power. You know, like you, you should, you would want someone that's very powerful and not powerful, like in a negative way, but like, you know, somebody that can't be told no, somebody that figures it out, somebody is resilient, somebody that makes great decisions under pressure, you know, someone that understands the win is not necessarily being right, but getting your way. Right. Mm -hmm. Sometimes I do style step in transactions to make sure that I'm winning because if I'm winning, my clients are winning. So my mm-hmm. job is for them to win. That's my only job. I can even lose so long as they win. I've done my job. Right. And so I think that you have to be not, like you have to be flexible in that way. You know, sometimes I have to change like I have to change my whole personality in order to work successfully with somebody. But I do it. Mm. I do it because I got to win. You oh know? yeah, I think Ryan mentioned something like that in his book as well. <laughs> about me, about, it's about the win. Right. So, you know, I think that that, you know, it's it's harder for that reason as a woman, it's also hard just like economically. Like we don't own nothing. Like our low our ownership has never been this low. Right. So we don't own anything. You work with who you know. Right. Who right. You doesn't own anything. So you're not set up to be successful in real estate. Not, right. not in this you're just not and and that's what I think I try to speak about more than anything is recognize how much harder it is for me to do the numbers that you do mm. you know because it's like it's it's like everybody wants to do great numbers but there's not there's never a conversation about what it took for me to reach those numbers because mm-hmm. it wasn't seven transactions like you it right. wasn't right if I did 40 million I sold 32 properties right Right. I sold 52 properties, you know what I mean? Price point wise and be given New York and the real estate transaction, it's far more steps involved in every single real estate transaction in New York. So not to ever shade any other territory, but I've lived in other territories. I, I understand those transactions as well. I understand why I could carry 13 transactions at the same time in Arizona, but I understand why in New York, that would be far more paperwork, far more legal, far more steps, far more processes, you know? 
Right. And so that combined with a lower price point, because socioeconomically, that's just your that's just where you land, you know. Right. Um yeah, it's 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 harder. It's just harder. It's, and 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 so what's funny is that everyone, you know, everyone treats you like you have this magic formula. And I'm like, dude, I'm doing the work and I'm doing it three times as much as you to get mm. it done. Like, show me some fucking respect. <laughs> put some respect on my name i mean you know like it's because because it's not it isn't the same you should write a book <laughs> because i feel like no honestly i'm not just saying that to say that because i feel like i think you have so much to share um in terms of gems experience and uh, there'll be so many people that would benefit from you your story about my book huh <laughs> Are you going to have me back on so we can talk about my book? Hell yeah. You know, by then, you know, Reverse Ambition is going to be the top podcast in the the world. I'm claiming that. (laughs) And then you're going to be like, you know, I told you to write the book. Where my name at? (laughs) Girl, I got you. I got you. I remember my friends. um, You know, you said something in in terms of like, you know, being a minority in, in, in the real estate business. And let's talk a little bit about gentrification. I mean, mm-hmm. what are your thoughts on gentrification? And, you know, I know at the end of the day, we're real estate, we're real estate brokers. <laughs> it's all about getting that sale, but I know you, ha- I know you care about, you know, yeah. gent- not just getting a sale, but who you, who gets that sale. Yeah. And who I, I actually would say I, I don't care about who gets that sale. What I care about is educating people within my community about homeownership. Like mm. I care about teaching people in my community the value of predominantly New York real estate. Like because I saw my grandmother retire out of her home. Mm. Saw like people that I knew buy real estate and I saw how it, it changed them and their financial picture mm-hmm. um and then in my own life you're like how did you get the business the money to open your own business oh i had bought my apartment and i had a lot of equity in it right you know, how did you get the how were you able to shut down your salons and open um and, and go into real estate and and you know fuck off six months making no money oh because i had sold my apartment and that and that allowed me the financial freedom to do to do that Mm. So you're talking about somebody that whose own personal life and freedoms were uniquely designed by the sacrifices of owning and investing in real estate. So mm-hmm. you're not you can't talk to me about anything but the value of ownership because it's allowed me the freedom to make the decisions I've been able to make. I wouldn't have I would have still been working at Mac. Mm. No shade to people working at Mac, but you know. Um. So. I I am focused on that. I think gentrification is just a natural progression of communities, not just in New York. Everyone is just so focused on everywhere, everywhere. I don't care if it's downtown Atlanta. I don't care. That's just what's going to happen. Money is power. So do you understand how I have to shift my energy into speaking to my people about money Mm. so that they have power? I think you can sit around and complain about gentrification all day long, and that's your business. But if I'm given an opportunity, I'm going to speak to you about ownership because I'm no different than anybody else was in Mm. 2004 when I bought my apartment on a a regular salary, making regular money. Mm -hmm. But 
The difference is I understood the value of buying that apartment. And I understood just visually what was happening in Clinton Hill at the time. Mm. And I knew that if I sacrificed and ate peanut butter and jelly to buy this apartment, I knew in five years that things would change for me. Mm. So I knew that because I was educated. And so my job is to do the same for others. And so where my energies will always go is in the education piece of it, because you can sit and bitch about the results and the challenges all day long. But I think the energy for us as real estate agents and brokers and prideful parts, just prideful people in our own community is to impact change. You know, I I focus heavily on that. Like when I'm doing events, you know, I would say half of my marketing budget goes into home ownership education, financial Mm. education, building assets, buy your home, you know, when it makes the most sense, not when you think it makes the most sense, but buy your home this point in your life and watch the appreciation value change. Mm. I hate when I'm in conversations about, yeah, I'm just going to wait for the market to change. Boy, you've been talking about that for 20 years. Right, right. You could have gotten up in here. You could have taken a risk like everybody else and you could have had something to talk about. So what I really want to what I try to do is talk to people about how they can change how they can change their circumstances. Right. You know, it's like, what's, what are you going to do to solve gentrification as a whole? Even if you fixed it in Brooklyn, what were you going to do to fix it in Chicago? What was your mm. plan? Like, or what would be, what would be your plan? It's a state of mind. It's a state of mind you have to have. You know what I mean? Like you just have to figure out how else do you infiltrate? You know, I, I put single women into homes and I teach them how they can buy their homes on the salaries that they don't think that they can buy their homes on. Mm. I make homeowners out of people. I have conferences where I bring people in and the same people that talk to me about money, talk to my audience about money and, and train and teach teach and train, train and teach. That's making an impact. That's a better conversation for my time than gentrification ever can be because I don't have a solve for gentrification. And quite honestly, I'm a gentrifier my damn self. Right, right, right. <laughs> you know what, I, I, I love your answer to that because, you know, we I hear about the frustrations in our communities because of gentrification. And I know at the end of the day, you had this property <laughs> for the longest time and you didn't take care of it. You didn't see the value in it. And then somebody buys from under you and, and, and beautify it. And now you're crying. So I love that you focus on yeah. education. Or my own friends that are I'm like, why didn't you, you know, why didn't you take over your mom? I don't want that. I don't want that. And then like, you know, 10 years later, they're like, Trisha, I want to keep my mom's house. I'm like, Yeah. You know? I'm gonna talk to you about a property offline. Um, you know, my brother's about to move. Yeah. Um, and you know, it's been in the family for a while. Uh, and you know, we're contemplating it. You get the lead on this podcast, all right? Hey, listen. <laughs> that's how it's supposed. That's how it yeah, works, fellas. That's how it works. Let me grab my, my, my pen and paper. <laughs> yeah, and, and, and you know what? I'm not in New York anymore. I, I let go of my license. Um, so if I could give you the business, why not? You know, Kelsey, I'm getting ready to lose battery. Can I pause you for 10 seconds? No, no. Okay. I was going to say, we we could wrap this conversation up. You know, I I don't think I even have a a percentage left though. So, okay. Well, let's wrap it up. We've been on, we've been on this call an hour and 10 minutes. Oh yeah, you know, talking. I, I, think I was, hope the camera does not die while I'm standing here. I'm so oh, sorry. if it dies, it's fine. I feel like you, <laughs> you dropped so many gems, and we had like a 
a really great conversation already. And that's how I like to do my podcast. It's like, you know, me and you talking, you know, in a coffee shop and the listeners are flying the wall, listening in and eavesdropping yeah. and, 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 yes. and getting the gems in the I'm story. Heard, I keep forgetting I'm on a podcast, honestly. <laughs> <laughs> hey, listen, that's why I, it's my style, man. Yeah. That's my style. I like to feel, make people feel comfortable. I don't have no listed questions. I'll, I just probably have one or two things that I want to yeah. highlight, but I want you the conversation to be it, organic. It, I literally was like, oh, I, I'm fidgeting. I'm I'm umming and on and because I'm comfortable, you know? Yeah, yeah. That's what it's all about. Renee was on the podcast. You know, she was one of my first um, guests. Oh, good, good. I guess. You know? And she's doing her own podcast now, so. So excited about I I, I see, I could, I could see the Trisha Lee podcast. Maybe one. T-O-P. It's a good acronym. I got to start talking slower first. <laughs> no, no, it's, it's all good. You'll figure it out. You know, uh, I think, you know, like you said, it's all about when you put in the work, you keep doing, you keep getting better. And I think that's what people got to understand. People, things didn't happen overnight. If you really put in the work and stay consistent in what you're doing and you, because you know, right now I have my, <laughs> I just launched my, my, my power brand. And I'm putting in, I'm putting all this stuff on social media. You know, my sales are, I have some sales, but it's like not the sales that I wanted to have, but I know um, through experience, it's all about keep going. Yeah, it's a process, all of it. You know, like I said, just know that I walk, I walked into that office for six months every day with no results. You know, I, I, I really appreciate your transparency and your authenticity on, on this, in this conversation because everyone sees Treasure Lee killing it. Oh um, yeah, and, and, right. and, and Trisha Lee, the, the monster. I'm like, mm, okay. You know, Trisha Lee closing five million dollar properties. You know, plus plus plus. Yeah. Um, it's great to hear what, how you came to that point and the work you put in and the consistency you you had to, you know, keep up with in order to get to that point. So thank you. Like I sit here and I'm like, okay, I just got to do the same thing tomorrow. Ladies and gentlemen, that was Trisha Lee. Thank you for listening. And check her book out. <laughs> if, you, if you ever really need someone to handle a real estate transaction, Trisha Lee, she's a monster. She's a beast. Um, she's thorough. And, and she's a dope. She's dope. Anyway, talk to you soon. And thanks for tuning in. Bye-bye. What up, what up, what up? Thank you for listening to another episode of Reverse Ambition. I hope you enjoyed the conversation and got some inspiring nuggets. Before you go, please remember to subscribe so you can be alerted when the next episode is dropped. You don't want to miss out. And remember, it's never too late to leap to follow your dreams or your passion. Always leap back. Live your life with no regrets. Until next time. My name is Kelsey Cooper, a.k.a. The Social Broker. Peace out.